The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. Our reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 to 31. The Ministry of Reconciliation. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in that way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Terry. Uh, and again, welcome, guys, to church. I invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we invite you into this space. Uh, Lord, we invite you into our hearts, into our minds, Lord, that we could be more like you. Lord, that as we try to decipher and discern and walk through a year that's already gotten messy, uh, Father, Lord, that you give us your insight, your peace, Lord, and your ability to be those ambassadors of reconciliation that we just heard about. Lord, that are bringing people closer to you in peace. Lord, that we may be your righteousness in right relationship with you and in right relationship with each other. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, again, Acts Church, welcome. Uh, we are in our second week of a series called Detox. Uh, and this whole series came out of the idea that a lot of stuff, a lot of junk had kind of been revealed in 2020 in us as individuals, in us as communities, as churches, as a country. And we said, you know what, we really need to detox from some of that stuff. Uh, because the real truth of the matter is that no matter what year it is, if the same people are doing the same things in the next year, that nothing's going to change. And in fact, it can get worse. And we, we've kind of seen some of that, I think, already in, in 2021. Uh, the meme run has been pretty intense. And so I just wanted to share a couple that made me laugh this week as I tried to emotionally process through what was going on. Uh, one of the first ones I saw was this, uh, 2020 showing 2021 around 
around. Uh, that would be the Joker and Pennywise, uh, which I thought was funny. You know, my comic book roots really like that, and Pennywise being the it monster of like, oh, it's just going to continue going on. Uh, another one of my favorite ones was more of a statement, but I got a good chuckle out of it. Uh, I would like to cancel the free seven-day trial to my 2021 subscription. Uh, this idea that, you know what, I've tried it out. Maybe, maybe we go back to a different place. I'm not saying 2020, but also maybe not 2021 either. Uh, Aunt Long, actually one of our members, had my favorite original post. Uh, Jesus, take the wheel. Actually, Jesus, take the whole car. Actually, just drop me off somewhere nice uh, and pick me up on the way back, uh, which again, I got a really good chuckle out of, of like, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't even want to be in this vehicle anymore because uh, it's, it's, it's rough, right? It's been a weird week. It's been a weird season of life. It's been a weird 365 days. Um, it's, it's been a weird uh, seven days, right? Uh, it, it was the hardest part of this figuring out what image I wanted to use, uh, was finding one that would be kid-friendly enough. So, something happened. But if, if it wasn't this image, there were other images I could use, and not just from Wednesday. We, we could talk about police buildings being burned down. We could talk about businesses being looted. There are more than enough pictures that we could use or substitute for this, of where we are as a culture right now what's happening. And there are just so many different questions, I think, that all of us are probably asking. What happened? Right? You, I, I literally just sat in shock most of Wednesday, watching it unfold. How, how did we get here? What, what were the steps that took that this was the action that a large group of people took? But I think really for me, the question that haunts me more than anything else is this one. Are we done yet? Is, is this it? Are we finally finished? Or, or are we going to double down again? Are, are we done yet? Was that the worst of it? And as much as I would like to tell you that, yes, we are now done, we're not. Because it doesn't matter who's elected. If the people don't change, if the people on every side of the issue don't change, we are literally living in a psychotic merry-go-round where we go round and round and round again and we live out that definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But it's actually worse than that because, again, we're playing that, well, if you're going to do this game, then I'm going to do that. And we just keep taking it one step further and one step further and one step further until we see the images that we saw on Wednesday or we saw the images that happened throughout 2020. And we've got to ask ourselves, what's going on? You see, the issue at the heart of it is what we're talking about today, which is something called tribalism. Tribalism comes from the word tribe, right? And we all have tribes. We all have different types of tribes, right? Your tribe may be a sports team. Your tribe may be a community group. Your tribe may say, okay, it's a Democrat or Republican. There's tribes all over the place, right? It's just people we affiliate with, people we hang out with. But, but tribalism takes those tribes and it takes it to a step further. This is a definition I had uh, heard a couple years ago. But it says this. It says, we live in a time of tribalism. 
not of ideologies or parties or groups or beliefs. These don't convey the same impregnability of our fortifications, of the yawning chasms between them, these different tribes. The situation today requires a world as primal, a word as primal as tribalism, to get at the blind allegiances and huge partisan affiliations. You see, tribes demand loyalty, and in turn, they convey security and belonging. They're badges of identity, not of thought. In a way, they make thinking unnecessary because they, the greater tribe, they do it for you and may punish you if you try to do it for yourself. To go against your own tribe makes you a fool. To give an inch makes you a sucker. You know, I, I can read those words and I can nod along and I can be like, yes, they do that. That other tribe that I'm not a part of, they don't think for themselves. That other tribe I'm not a part of, they just want their identity. They just want, but guys, it, it's not the other tribe's fault. It's every tribe's fault. Because every tribe is filled with people. Broken, beautiful, but ultimately sinful people, every tribe, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, get out of politics, white, black, Hispanic, citizens, foreigners, every tribe. Scripture says it this way in Romans chapter 3, what then shall we conclude do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we are already made the charge that both Jews and Gentiles are alike under the power of sin. As it's written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away and become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You see, at the, uh, at the core of tribalism is sin. And we often think of sin as something that we do as individuals, and we can and often do do sin as individuals, but it's beyond that. You see, we can sin as a tribe, we can sin as a community, and that is all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. God does not hold just the individual responsible, but he holds everyone who is in that tribe responsible. That's why later in Romans it talks about Adam sinning and then the whole world being corrupted by that sin. You see, humanity has a problem. Humanity shares ownership of that problem. And all the hate, all the fear, the rioting, the insurrection, it, it all comes from this. And it universally affects every tribe. And so what does every tribe do when they get hurt by the other tribe? Oh, you're going to do this, then we're going to do that. And honestly, it makes sense. Because if you live in a world, if you do not have God and Christ as your foundation, 
and your identity, your tribe is attacked, you have nothing else. And so what do you do? You fight for it. Tooth and nail. Leave no prisoners. Because if your ultimate identity is in that, and not in God, and not in our Father who promises us that he is in control, when we get off of that reality, when we lose that, when we, lie, we don't cling to him, like we sang in Rock of Ages, well, then the natural response is to fight. The natural response is to kill. That you don't lose the power. That your identity isn't shaken. And that's what's happening right now. In every corner of the world, in every corner of our country, that is the issue. And I think what saddens me more than anything else is how the church has responded because instead of leaning on and living out our identity as Christians, we've locked arms with different tribes depending on our own personal priorities. And so we end up trying to be in that tribe and speak a dialect of Jesus. And we say, oh yeah, no, this tribe, they get Jesus more than the rest. Maybe not perfectly, but they get it more than that other tribe does. And so our theology, our truth, our way of living, our gentleness, our way of doing life with people, it gets lost in the wash. Kerry Newoff, uh, he's a pastor, uh, former lawyer. Uh, he's got some really good things to say. But right after the election, when we were still trying to figure out what was going to happen, he wrote these words. He said, An exhausted culture needs an alternative to itself, not an echo of itself. A culture that is scared. A culture that is fearful that it's going to lose everything it believes in. It doesn't need an echo of itself. It doesn't need Jesus' light. It doesn't need the Republican Jesus or the Democratic Jesus. It needs an alternative that is full Jesus. Something different, something new. An alternative that doesn't have to have people go back into the hatred and the fear. That's, that's what this is all about, guys. People who voted for Biden, people who voted for Trump, they were both scared they were going to lose something. That we were going to lose something. And the church has not done a particularly good job of confessing our faith in Christ in this situation. We've co-opted different tribes. We've co-opted different politicians. We've co-opted half-truths. And then we wonder why we in our own faith are shaken. We wonder why we in our own faith are not comfortable. But, but there is good news. Because there is an alternative that transcends all the tribal infighting that's happening here on earth. Because what we're seeing here today is nothing new. Tribalism has happened since the start of creation. Since sin enters into the picture, we have become more and more tribal, and we've all been on this miracle round. 
God saw that and he had a plan not to defeat the tribes, but to unite them under something new. Hear these words from Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who, uh, of the circumcision, which is done by the body, by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. Paul is writing to new Christians, and he's talking about the conflict between the Gentiles, the Romans, and the Jews. And this battle, this fight, you want to talk about insurrections? You want to talk about revolts? What the Jews and Romans did to one another makes what happened on Wednesday look like a tea party. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners in the covenants and the promises without hope and without God in the world. Then he goes on, he goes, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And guys, hear this over and over again, how many times Paul uses the word peace. Who made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting it aside with the flesh of the law, with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to those who were far away and those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. And consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become one holy temple in the Lord. And in him, y'all, that's a plural, you, are being built together to become one dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. God had a plan. And the plan was to create a new humanity. That's where my hope has been this whole week. When, When I saw everything that was happening on Wednesday, when I saw the responses afterwards, a new humanity, one that transcends that tribalistic instinct in each of us. One that allows us an off-ramp and actually an on-ramp to something better. And right now, our culture needs something better. It needs an alternative. Something beyond, well, they did this, so we're going to do this now. Something that can break down the dividing wall of hostility. See, the promise of Christ, the invitation of Christ, is that he is going to show us a new way to be human. A new way to engage. A new way to love. A way where fear and hate don't have to direct us. 
and then we give our ultimate allegiance to that citizenship, to that Messiah, that God. Jesus made it really clear. He says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be in two separate tribes. And that doesn't mean that we don't participate. It doesn't mean that we don't advocate for people or say, hey, you know what? These are the policies I believe in. This is the group of people that I'm going to do life with. But I am not going to allow myself, we as the Christian church, as these new humans, are not going to allow ourselves to live our life in the same way the world does. But in fact, we are going to offer a public alternative where when people see us, They don't see the hate in the world. They don't see the fear. They don't see us acting out. But instead, turning the other cheek and providing a way of truth and love. I woke up super early this morning. I've been up since 3.30, praying over this message, talking to God. And, and, And the last verse that came to my mind was at the very end of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is the great chapter on love. Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. Right? It's this beautiful, poetic imagery of an active-based love. But then it ends and it says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Everyone puts their faith in something. Everyone does. You can put your faith in your bank account. You can put your faith in yourself. You can put your faith in a tribe, getting power, holding on to power. You can put your faith in a politician or in a movement. Everyone puts their hope in something. Everyone hopes for something. Specific outcomes. Outcomes that we think will protect us. Outcomes that we think will be good for those around us. All of us hope in something. Love. We all want love And as a new member of our church said recently to me, all of us desire love. It's the core driving factor that all of us are seeking. It's the reason why we joined tribes in the first place. All of us have faith. All of us have hope. All of us have love. The question is, where are we putting it? And I want to go into a time of confession and absolution because I'm going to be honest with you. My faith, my hope, my love has not always been in the right place in 2020 or in 2021. Your faith, your hope, your love has not always been in the right place in 2021. And we need to detox of and from that. I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a God with a plan. Lord, you are a God who was not taken by surprise in anything that happened on 2020. You were not taken by surprise on anything that happened on Wednesday. 
And you are not going to be taken by surprise of anything that happens going forward. Lord, you are a God who is calling us into a new humanity, a new citizenship, a new allegiance that transcends everything that's happening around us in our local and national and worldly tribes. And yet, Father, we come before you in confession that we have put our faith, our hope, and our love in the tribes of this world. We have allowed fear and anger and hatred to make us tribal. Lord, we have denied our new humanity in search of earthly security. Lord God, we need a God who specializes in breaking us of tribalism, but not just to break us, but to give us something new, something good. And so, Father, Lord, while we confess our sins, we know you are faithful and just, and you have forgiven us. Because all those descriptions of what love is, your name and your son's name, fits perfectly. Because Jesus is patient and Jesus is kind. Jesus doesn't envy or boast. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus always protects, always perseveres. Jesus never fails. And so, Father, in church, hear me clearly. Your sins are forgiven. God remembers them no more. And from that place of joy and love, we re-engage with this new humanity. And church, we need to re-engage for some of us, it means that we have to stop being tribal. We've been taking part of the conversation, but in a way that isn't helping move it in a, it's not helping being a witness to Christ. But for other of us, we're just like, no, I don't want to be a part of the conversation, and that's not helping either. Instead, we live out our new humanity we celebrate our faith, hope, and love in Christ while navigating and figuring out, okay, God, how do we have these conversations? How do we bring people not just closer to Jesus, but the things that Jesus cares for in the way that Jesus taught? The next sermon series we're going to be doing is called New Humanity. We're going to be talking through what we look like and how we move forward. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.